Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare their business for exit so they can maximize value and exit like a boss. This is the Exit Insights Podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsword and today I'm joined by Lloyd Thompson. Lloyd is a virtual do, as we were describing earlier, or a, a, a director of operations. So Lloyd, firstly, I want to know what is a, a virtual or a fractional um, director of operations? Then what I'd like to do is go, how do you add value? What 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 does the role entail and what does it look like in a business on a day-to-day basis? And then we'll dig in from there. And and uh, and, and if you want to set, set the scene of how you arrived at uh, setting up a business to do this, I'm sure the listeners will be a little curious because it's not something you hear every day. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a few things to answer there. So yeah, thanks well, for having me, Daryl. You don't have to keep going, but uh, we'll, we'll just... <laughs> I just wanted to set a bit of an agenda so listeners knew what we were going to be getting into today. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so uh, I w- went in corporate world, I was looking after large remote, remote teams. So that was my background, uh, mainly in banking and um, finance. And like many people, during the great resignation during the lockdown, I was thinking about what my, what I wanted to do next. And I was thinking, I've been in corporate world forever. I was thinking about, what I, do I want to go back to being a contractor again? I still really enjoy that. Do I want to work for a startup? And then somebody in my surf community actually is a business coach. And we had a conversation uh, in the sea one day and I was asking, well, what can I do with my skills? You know, if I was to start a business, can I, you know, my skills are leading people, overseeing projects, driving process improvement. And I had a large global remote team at the time. And um, the thought of going back to a brightly lit office after the lockdown corporate, is just not something I wanted to do. And he said to me, well, you sound like an integrator. I said, it sounds like a technical term. I'm not so familiar with a term integrator in, in a business sense, it's a technical term. Yeah. And he said, look, have a look at this book. It's called Rocket Fuel, written by Gino Whitman. Have a look at that and tell me what you think. So he directed me to the Rocket Fuel. And Rocket Fuel talks about the relationship between a visionary and an integrator. They're like this dynamic duo that run a business. And so the visionary is typically this person that will come up with a strategy, uh, have those relationships, probably more sales-focused, come up with all the big ideas. And the integrator, or as a term I would normally think of for an integrator or as a COO, or in my case for non-corporates, I say director of operations, is the person who runs the day-to-day, runs the team. They're the glue to make sure things run well um, and, and make sure we've got measurables and feedback loops and all those things that make the thing run. So it's that that's what an integrator is. And I thought to myself, yeah. when I heard this, when I read this book, I thought that's that's what I am. I'm an integrator. I'm an integrator in corporate world looking after large teams, not so much at the top level. And he said to me, Perhaps there's an opportunity for you to start out as a fractional integrator. So that was a great idea. And that was planted many, many, many months before we did something about it. And then one day he said, look, actually, I've got a client of mine who's a large e-commerce business, team of 50 or so. And this guy is running around like a headless chicken, scattergunning the team with tasks. He doesn't really know. It's not his background. He's a creative master of putting products out and running campaigns, uh, very successful guy, but 
running team and putting systems in place, that's not his special power, nor is it his interest. Perhaps you could help him. So I had a conversation with this guy and I could see a lot of his problems. And I I wasn't a, an e-commerce expert. My past life, I was technical. But I could see I could how I could get him out of scattergunning the team and put rhythms in place. So that was my start into this game as uh, my first gig, if you like, as an integrator. But I was open with him from the beginning that I wouldn't be full-time for him, that I was going to be um, you know, working with other people as well. And so hence, I started out as a fractional integrator and I've since just changed that to director of operations because I'd spend 10 minutes explaining to people what an integrator is. Right. When you say director of operations, they get it. They get it, And yeah. so that, that's, how, that's what an integrator does. They're leading the team, overseeing the projects, driving process improvement and um, fractional meaning serving more than one client and so where i am now I've, I've got to a size where i'm actually no longer the director of operations in the business i now have a team of director of operations who are working with multiple clients and i'm supporting them as a if you like a coach to them or an advisor i'm hiring people who i think are good or as better than i am but i'm there saying yeah i've seen this problem or do we want to talk about the challenge you're having and work out where we want to go with this so yeah. So that's how this all begun. Well, first thing is, uh, thanks for confirming the, the Aussie stereotype of um, you know decisions being made in in on the surf and uh, you know, where, <laughs> where real things are done. And uh, unlike the golf course, um, so yeah, you, you've done uh, Australia a service there. And uh, <laughs> and I'm sure Gino Wickman's pretty thrilled as well. The fact that you've you've created a, a sub industry um, yeah. in, in helping business owners achieve. Um, because a lot of them are, are already, you know, what does he call visionaries or, or what the rest of the world calls entrepreneurs who are brilliant at big ideas, but yeah, and they're, they're typically good at startups and they'll get a business to about a mill in revenue. Um, but after that, they, they have trouble with the span of control because they don't know how to build and create a structure. So is yeah. that where you step in once the, the visionary sort of got the business up over the startup phase, over a million people sort of? over probably more than 10 people, possibly you know, getting on close to 20, they're starting to feel the stresses of, of um, you know, the business growing and the growing pains. Um, and, and some of those businesses contract after that because the, the founders are unable to, to create a structure and, and maintain control and delegate and, and keep everything under control because they just haven't got a structure and, and their span of control runs out and, and it gets out of control. So they just dial it back to, to less numbers. Is that where you come in and say, right, well, we, we, we need a, an operating structure. We need a, some sort of tool to you know, communicate what everyone's role and responsibility is. We need some sort of tool and process. <clears throat> yeah, um, the, the, where, we, where we find ourselves is um, around about, 10 when they've got about a team of 10 plus which will naturally dictate that they're going to be doing seven figures easily at that yep. point so what i've found through starting when i started this business is less than five members of staff they might as well do it themselves they're still pretty much involved five to ten members of staff they're starting to really feel the pain but they're still doing it themselves 10 people or above it's absolutely clear cut uh, so we operate in the sweet spot for us is between 10 and 30 staff, that's yep. where someone engage us as, yeah. as a fractional director of operations. And beyond that, 
they're starting to get to a size where they think, you know, we definitely want a full-timer in this place. And that's okay because we can come in, uh, minimum time we'd really be involved, or the smallest we've ever done really is three months, but typically six to eight plus, come in, get everything running smooth. Like we identify all of the, where the problem, what we see the problems are um, and set a course to resolve, put rhythms in place, like how are we going to plan, what, how are we going to have feedback loops for campaigns or um, where, how are we going to measure performance and run that. And if the business owner gets to a point where they, they're like, okay, we actually want to get a full timer in here. We want to bring someone new in, or we want to bring someone from our own team in. Um, and this has happened to me, you know, one of our early clients said, hey, one of, one of the team members says he can see how this is done now and he wants to do this. We said, no problem. We'll, we'll hand over the reins, we'll train them up and we'll support them. And what we really want out of this is a referral to keep us going because that's 80% of where I'm getting my leads for is uh, referral-based. So that's, that's how it's a win-win for us. Right. So... And I'd never really thought about this before. Like I've worked with with you know part time or fractional CFOs, and that's normally the first one to get the, the headlines and the attention because we've got to get our finances under control. And and it's often a it's it's really easy, tangible, and and easy to fix and identify the issue of my finances are out of control. And and a good you know uh, someone similar to you in the finance world from a corporate sense brings their finance skills, applies it to four or five SMEs. Yeah, that's great. It's a great use of their time. They're getting great satisfaction, and and four or five businesses at a, at a time are benefiting from all that experience because it'd just be overkill for one business. So I've seen yeah. that with CFOs. I've seen it with HR professionals. I've seen it with um, um, legals having a crack. I haven't seen legals really nail it yet. Um, so it makes sense for uh, an operational director to come in and and do a similar role. And I really love the, what you're doing is you're taking the, the, the work from Gina Wick, Wickman, the, the attraction stuff, and everyone's familiar with that. So you've yeah. almost got a, a blueprint or a, or a playbook that you can use and you can roll out and you can go, right. Um, so how different are you to, I guess, the, the average consultant out there who is, who is a um, EOS consultant? Is it the yeah. same thing you're doing or are you, are you, are you doing things differently okay. to those, those people? We're, we're, not, we're not strictly EOS and I've got to give full credit to Gino Whitman because that's, you know, obviously I, the, <clears> the <throat> idea was birthed from reading Rocket Fuel and I've t taken inspiration from Traction. Yep. But the, a lot of the frameworks I use are not just out of, say, Traction or Rocket Fuel. Also, I take things from corporate world like aspects where I've used Agile with Teams and I don't have to use okay. a full-blown framework that, that might work on a big corporate team, you know, quite often, like I said, 10 to 30 staff is quite a bit smaller. So I've taken the very best of the elements that I see have worked that are going to give us the biggest bang for buck. So I'm not strictly following EOS. Some people have come to us and said, hey, we've already got EOS in place. Can we do that? And so we say, okay, fine. We run the rhythms that, that you're running there. Um, but we've taken inspiration from the very best frameworks. And, you know, a few of them out there would be agile, uh, scaling up and, and elements from corporate world. And yeah. obviously the very big difference is that we're fractional. And I've started to see a bit more in this, uh, a bit more people uh, now going in the direction of fractional. And, uh, and literally, maybe was it one or two weeks ago, I saw the author of um, 
second in command, Cameron Herald, um, he was also talking about looking for people who are fractional COOs. And I thought, wow, okay, so this is this is going somewhere. You know, yeah. this is this is now being recognised. So, um, and that was a great nod because I've I've taken a lot of inspiration from his material. So you're riding the wave, uh, not to uh, mix my puns. <laughs> I want to see three more metaphors in this podcast related to surfing, yeah. please. <laughs> okay, we'll see what we can do. Um, so, so Lloyd, I guess the first thing is. If a business owner is out there and, and they're listening to this podcast and they're going, look, I want to start thinking about my business. I need to scale it up. I want to grow it. I'm thinking about how do I make the mindset shift from revenue or profit growth to asset growth? I want to build the valuation of my business so that I can eventually, I want to maximize the value so I can exit. <clears throat> how how and when should I start looking at, at someone like yourself, a, a virtual um, operations director? Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, number of employees. What about industries? What about other considerations where you can really make a difference? So for me, obviously, we're virtual. So we're really looking at online businesses only. So that's the scope of of what we do. But thinking just about what would business owners do to prepare themselves in terms of systems and team for an exit, I think the first thing I'd think about before I – even think about whether it's a virtual director operations or not is is this business dependent on the business owner like if this business is dependent on the adrenaline of the business owner as i've seen many times to survive i think they know they've got a problem right there and you know certainly that that client i talked about earlier at a team of 15 uh, 50 staff who was just scattergunning them every day knows that not only is there a, a problem there that he's doing 16 hour days but also the fact that if how would a buyer get confidence to take the reins from that person if it depends if the business depends on the business owner rather than the team and so i think they should be moving towards having a team run business rather than a a business owner run business so i think that's a that's a signal you know how dependent yeah. is it on the business owner yeah. um I think another one would be, you know, related to that, not just being team run, but a common frame of reference for all the members of the team is to have operational procedures. Now, I'm, you know, operational procedures and systemization, um, huge fan of that. But most importantly, it's just having that common reference for people in the team to say, right, well, rather than just pass the knowledge on from team member to team member to team member is to document it so that if there was only one team member that had the knowledge and then suddenly they left, well, guess what? We're not going back to the business owner again who yeah. might still have a shred of that knowledge from long ago to have to retrain people in the team. So that's what, another element. You know, It's not just team run, but it's also the systemization aspect of it. Yeah, and you know, my background's engineering, so that's near and dear to my heart. So um, yeah, right. I had Dave Jennings on, on the, the podcast a few months back. Have you met Dave? Yeah. And him too, yeah. Right. So he's, I was going to say he's got a fantastic systemology approach where he he basically just builds a platform for you to be able to do what you're talking about there and, and systemize and document the business. So the business, and, and we're big fans at, at Succession Plus, we're big fans of the business being able to transform so that they're dependent upon the in move away or shift dependence from key people to key processes. Yeah. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. if we if we if our business becomes known for our process and our system and our brand is associated with that system, 
and we train everyone to use that system and process. That means we we don't need to get brilliant people. We uh, because they're the, the sheer level of high level brilliant people are really hard to find. We can just get everyday people who are, are smart people and train them in our system and process. And then we can have a you know in every business I'm talking, not just our business. You can really create value in the business by demonstrating that people are following the process rather than just following tapping into their knowledge and experience and i'm so glad you brought that up because when we talked about earlier you know are you following eos is that the pattern well actually systemology is is another one where we've taken inspiration from david jennings and and he's also been largely very much influenced by say the the e-myth as well so all of these things play into it you said a really interesting thing there for me which was um, you're not necessarily looking to get as such the A player or the expert, but the te- team players, if you like, who can follow the pattern. And that's something I really agree with um, because we're really focused in my business much more on the team side of things. We are employing systems, um, but we, we want to make sure there are systems. But what we're making sure of is that we've got a team, a team are working together well and performing well and that people are buying into these processes and so quite often when we go in somewhere, we'll find there might be low performance. It's not as a result of the, the system that's been put in. It's as a result of the, the players that they've got in there and how they're performing. And so that's something we really want to take yeah. a look at. I highly favor hiring people who have got good values, uh, good collaborators, and who are um, going to work together well rather than someone who I guess I'm I, I'm wary of the term A player at the moment because I hear that one a lot. And in my mind, when someone says A player, they're thinking the very best at a particular unique slice or skill, but actually quite often it comes at the expense of um, being, a, a, being a team player. So yeah, I just really agree. I, perhaps like you, grew up in Australia playing Aussie rules, um, or playing, let's just say, footy, just to so we remove the state-based bias, um, basketball and cricket um, growing up. And and it was amazing the, the consistency with the coaches drilling into us that a champion team will always beat a team of champions. And and one yeah. of my coaches was so strong where, where we had this kid who was you know, a, a superstar player, and, and he was. He was leagues ahead, but his ego matched his talent. And, and he just tried to hog the ball all the time and, and it was always get about him getting the ball and, and scoring the goal. And and everyone just resented it. And and he, he eventually got kicked off the team. And then the rest of the team rose. You know, the, the ability and the skill and, and the comradeship of, of everyone that, that you know the team that, that 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 teamwork, everyone, the whole team performed better and won more games. You know, there was no one person scoring all the points, but the whole team raised. And it just really brought home to me uh, when I look back, the value of, of of a team working coherently for for a common objective, and that just fits so well in business. If we've got everyone aligned to the same goal and they know how their role or their position on the field contributes to the the, the end goal of of the team or the business, they'll perform better because they know what's expected of them. They practice every yeah. day. They work together. They know exactly how my role what what the scope of my role is, you know, using the metaphor, what the scope of my role is and how that role is extended to the business achieving its goals overall. And and I think that's what you're doing. You're creating the rule book 
and and the guidelines for the team to go, here's your role here and here's your role here and 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 you take your role this far and then you hand it over to this person and if and if your role you know gets to this size you need to get help from this person or you need approval or you need to get a sub off the bench or or whatever it is that it, you know, to to play with the metaphor but when you get the team all running in the in the same direction it um it is just a, a better outcome for everyone and a better experience everyone enjoys the game more as opposed to just oh. one person enjoying the game I, I can think how that, you know, that, that person we talked about earlier, the guy doing the 16-hour days, how different it was for the team before and after, you know. At one point, they're being scattergun the tasks from, from, the, from the owner. And then later on, they're planning stuff out for every 10 days. They feel a lot more calm. The business owner's not doing 16-hour days anymore. Tensions yeah. have calmed down yeah. a bit. Actually, in that, in that particular example, there was one bad apple in the team who we did have to exit um but that's that's another aspect of it actually we do see that quite often we go into somewhere and we'll we'll start with a an audit or an assessment have a look what's going on and generally the funny thing i've noticed is the business owner and the team know what a lot of the problems are and they're looking for external validation or what to do about it and quite often we'll go in and we'll see our oh, hang on this there's some problems. They've even told us what they are. They don't know what to do next. And sometimes it's a bad, a bad apple in the team who I'm going to say fits the, um, that, that a, they might have been an A player. They might have been really good at something. The business owner's grown some kind of dependence on, on them and they don't want to let them go because they're thinking, I really need this person to get me through the next step yeah. in, the, in the business. But actually what they're doing by enabling that person is, eroding the culture of the team and uh, creating a dependence on that person if that person happens to win the lotto or whatever and go that then they're in so much trouble and so part of it is listening to the team identifying these problems and then helping them move forward and and getting rid of poor someone who thinks they're an a player and in fact in my opinion the poor performer because of bad culture is is uh, definitely one of the things that we resolve it's something that's good to hear that, that you're resolving it because often business owners are scared to let that person go because they, they're such a high performer. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and if they're in sales, you know, they get the results in, but they get the results in at the expense of, you know, what's the cost of getting those results in? And, yeah. and everyone else tends to underperform when that person, you know, is, is, you know, toxic or, or, or not a cultural fit. Yeah, they see, the rest why, is this person, why is this person getting away with it? You know, they start seeing that and it's demotivating for them. So I can completely understand that. Yeah. Um, so that results was a, in staff, staff turnover. And is that something that you, you, you aim to fit? So it sounds, it sounds like you're getting involved into the culture and the HR side of things. Um, you, do you get involved in recruitment as a... As a um, yeah, the way, the way we work, um, and is our scope is kind of spongy depending on the size of the business. So if we, if we, if it's down at sort of ten members of staff, we're actually going to be more involved in the the nitty gritty operations. Whereas if they've now got fifty staff, we're expecting like we'd expect a dedicated HR lead, and a, you know all of these dedicated, you know, they're going to have a HR, IT, finance director, sales, marketing, so forth. Whereas if they're ten, they're probably going to have you know, a, a very few handful of high-level roles and a couple of developers and a couple of, and so forth. So we'll, we'll, the way we 
um, run our engagements is really based on number of meetings per week or per month. And we'll say, well, you know, you can use us. If it's this size of business, then we're going to run this amount and everything else is going to be handled offline. If you want to use us for recruitment, fine. We're going to recommend our ultimate goal, which we're going to focus on is if it's dependent on us to wear all these hats, there's a problem. So every time we see there's a gap in capability, we're looking to fill that and pass that on to the team and focus on ultimately making ourselves redundant, which might sound like an odd business move. But if we do that well, then we get set up set up well for the next uh, gig. Okay. So, and did you say, Lloyd, that, that what you do, the way you engage with the client is all virtual, so it's all online? Yeah, it's all, yeah. everything's remote. So, I mean... Right now, I'm um, I'm in Sydney. Um, all of my customers right now are in the US, Canada, and the UK. But actually, my team are mostly in the US with a couple of support folks in the Philippines. So, you know, this is the modern age, right? You know, pre-COVID, this might have seemed like a radical way to run a business, but this is fine, okay. really. I'm focused on where, what's the time zone of, of the 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 main what's the main operating time zone and it, as long as we can service that um so you're servicing people internationally how do you how do you charge them what's, what's your your process for, for invoicing oh, it's, it's all in us dollars so the way i charge is um i charge a retainer um, i transact through stripe on a retainer i'm going super detailed here but um it's it's like a subscription if you like it is a subscription so Someone starts off typically with an audit. We run that for a month. And if they go, yep, okay, we do want you to make the changes. You've identified some changes and said what you're actually going to do to fix it. At the, at the end of the audit, that business owner can decide to go and implement our, our suggestions themselves and say, yeah, okay, these are the blind spots. We're going to go and take care of ourselves. Or they can say, yeah, okay, virtual DOO, fix it. And then from that point on, it's uh, just a month-to-month subscription, typically ranging between 6K and 10K USD per month. And okay. it's it's month-to-month. So they could get to you know the, the very last week of the month and say, we're going to stop here and they'll cancel a subscription, which would be a little bit brutal if they get to the last day. But generally, it's the security for them is they're, they're, they're running us on a month-to-month, but we can handle this because we're fractional in the sense yeah. that we're serving each director of operations might be serving, let's say, between one and three clients. So that's okay. how we're able to handle it. And so they're, they're paying a monthly retainer. Um, as, as long as you're performing and you're adding value, they're going to keep going with you by the sounds of it. So they've got their own yeah. performance guarantee just through experience. What does a, a month engagement look like? Do you, you said a number of meetings. Is that you, you're running a weekly team meeting and and assigning tasks and duties and people? Do, do, do you do yeah. stuff yourself or are you you you're delegating it all out? How does so? Um, if if I just look at the most sort of basic pattern we'd run, is the director of operations would have a weekly prioritization meeting with the the founder. And it's also, I, I think EOS would refer to this as like a same page meeting. So they're going to have a have a, a weekly catch up. They're going to talk about the priorities. Okay, we've got these things, one, two, three, four. We're going to go on those, talk about any issues, work through those and close. And that's going to be what the director of operations is going to focus on for that week. Um, and that's really important because the the classic visionary is, as we are talking about earlier, is 
they've got a bazillion ideas or they're trying to spin a hundred plates, but because they're spinning a hundred plates, they're probably not cooking much, right? So we need to say, right, let's let's cook these three, get them done. So that's that first meeting. The second meeting might be the um, director of operations then runs a, a team meeting with the, the leads or heads of, if you like. So like I said, depends on the size of the of the business. If it's a really small team, it could be most of the people in the company. If it's a team of 50, you're looking at the heads of HR, IT, finance, you know, operations and, you know, all of these different things. And in there, what they're really looking for is what are the measurables that give us the health of the business? What are those reds and greens? Um, And if there isn't that capability when we come in, we want to build that. So we want to say, we want to be able to look at, a dashboard and it it can start super simple to be honest all it needs to be is a spreadsheet with numbers on it where we can say if it's above this number it's a green if it's below this number it's a red and in the beginning that might not be super obvious but once you run that for a few weeks it becomes obvious where things are running well and things are not running so well and so based on running uh, we've talked about the same page meeting or prioritization meeting we run the team meetings we look at the reds and greens the remaining time that that director of operations is going to be spent is looking at how do we make those reds a green so spending time with the folks who are in charge of those areas and understanding what do they need do they need do they need more spend do they need uh, resource do they need to automate it or is the person in charge of that area the right person or do we need to get together and really understand the process and change the process so that's yeah. it at the, at the highest level um so they're not Identifying the key metrics in, in each of the functional areas of the business, working with the leaders of, of each of those functional areas so they understand the measures and have some goals to achieve those measures, and then mentoring and guiding them to have the skill sets where the gaps are uh, to be able to fill that. And then the, you become like the, the, the ringleader in the circus. You're, you're orchestrating and, and coordinating everything from there on in. Once those routines, those behavioral patterns, those disciplines are embedded in the business, your role as a virtual um, DOO is, is now complete and the business has hopefully grown to a scale where 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 they can appoint someone full-time, maybe from within the business or maybe an external appointment. You've absolutely got it in one. And, and so, and that's the way some of our engagements have run or if they're growing uh, and growing well, they might say, okay, we've put the new person in here and our scope might be reduced to, to stay in there, yeah. not only as a transfer of knowledge, but, there's other areas that need attention. And so we'll come out of being that um, top level director of operations who's reporting to the visionary or founder and now looking after a particular problem space until they say, okay, thanks for coming and you know, Beautiful. see you later with a nice referral. So that's it in a nutshell. I love it, Lloyd. So we, we've scoped the role. We've given people an experience of what they could expect by working with a virtual um, operations director. Out of everything that you do with a client, what's the one key thing that you really want them to, that the listeners to take away from our conversation today? And I guess with an angle of specifically going, hey, this is what you want to do in setting your business up so that it's more valuable for when it does come time for exiting. I think I'll just say two points, actually. <laughs> uh, one is if you're, doing the, if you're doing the same thing again and again and expecting the same results, it's not going to happen. And there's, a, there's an Albert Einstein quote about that being the definition of insanity. So something needs yeah. to change. Yeah. Getting external help is going to move you in that direction. The other thing is, well, if you want to improve at something and um, 
than measure. And uh, for myself, you know, I went on holiday recently, I put on five kg. So now that means I'm counting my calories, I'm going to have to lose some weight. Now, more the same is true in this. More, more surfing and uh, less, less calories in more calories out. <laughs> and, and, and it's the same for business, you know, it sunlight is the best disinfectant, put a spotlight on all of those things where they could be problems, measure those things. And um, whether it's human performance, whether it's numbers coming out of certain areas, put a spotlight on those things, measure them, and you can't help but take action. Brilliant. It's the old principles always stay true. Lloyd Thompson, Virtual DOO, thanks for sharing your exit insights with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Exit Insights podcast. And if you have, now's a good time to subscribe and make sure you get notified of all future episodes. Now, if the topics have raised questions about the value potential in your business or how you will exit like a boss, then contact me and arrange a free strategy call where we can discuss what's required for you. Otherwise, if you'd simply like to learn more about how to prepare for when you want to exit, then you can download a copy of our ebook called It All Begins With Insights. The link is in the show notes. In this book, we'll show you how a business insights report can be used to assess your business to uncover your intangible assets and identify the value potential if you're ready for exit and your business is exit ready.